So, I have a question for you. Uh, imagine, as we're continuing along in our series uh, called Left is Mark, we're walking through the book of Mark. I want you to try to imagine something for a minute. So just take a deep breath, settle down. We're just gonna do, play a little mental game here. Uh, maybe you wanna close your eyes for this one, whatever you feel comfortable doing. I want you to try to imagine that everyone, everyone likes you. I mean, likes you. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, I mean, people just think you are awesome. Can you imagine that? Get it in your mind. Just thinks you are amazing. All right, just revel in that for a moment. Did you enjoy it? You enjoying that? That's good. Because that is never going to (laughs) happen. It is actually completely impossible for that to happen. So when you go through life, you're you are going to not please everyone. It's just the way that the world works. We try, but the thing is, it's a complete impossibility. You will never please everyone, no matter how hard you work at it. Nothing you can do, nothing you could ever do will please everyone. There's always going to be somebody that is opposed to it or opposed to you or standing in your way. And that's just the way that life is, no matter how hard you try. But imagine this. So conversely, on the other side, imagine if you are so consumed with pleasing Jesus, so passionately consumed with pleasing him, that what others think doesn't even matter that much to you. Imagine if that was true. Imagine then waking up every day with that passion and that purpose in your heart, like it just deep in your soul to live your life for Jesus, knowing that what you are doing is what God created you to do. That's what I want you to imagine. Now, can you imagine that? Not only is that possible, but I want to show you today that that is exactly what God wants for you. Let's pray. Jesus, today, as we take our eyes off of the mechanics of who we are, and so much of this is from a sinful heart, God is a distracted heart, it is somebody that looks at surroundings and circumstance, and uh, we are people pleasers by nature. God, help us for a moment to consider the possibility of walking in purpose, not in a trite way, not in a pithy little soundbite way, but in a real sense of purpose that rests deep within our soul, that resonates within us, and that we can live out every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. You can choose purpose over popularity. You can. But so many of us choose the opposite by default. You can choose purpose over popularity, but many of us by default we go the other direction. We are always thinking about what the person next to us is thinking, what our family thinks about us, what our friends think about us, what our work environment um, reflects about us. We are always calculating. That's just who we are. We love to know what people think about us. And some of us are literally living for it, living, living for the approval of people. Does that sound familiar? Do you ever ask the question like in your mind, just do I fit in? Do I fit in here? Do I measure up? Do people approve of me? Do they look at me? Are they okay with me? Am I okay? Am I all right? You're constantly saying that question, constantly making that calculation. But if you want to know the purpose of something, you don't ask the thing itself. 
Like you don't walk up to a bicycle and go, hmm, what's the purpose of that? Ask the bike. That isn't gonna say anything to you, right? I mean, there's like all these fancy contraptions on Shark Tank, right? And you're like, you need the person there to explain what that thing does or you don't know. And it's the same thing with us. You don't ask another person, you don't ask another human being that's just like you, wired to think about what uh, the world thinks of them, you wanna ask the maker, and that, that, is, that is, of course, God. And so my key thought today is this. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purpose of God. So if you, if you have your eye on living for the approval of the, pers- of the persons around you, it will keep you, it will suppress you from living out the purpose of God in this world. When we're consumed with what people think about us, and, and all of us at various times are, this is, this is the way it is, we tend to forget what God thinks about us, what he thinks about us. We tend to leave that aside. And so today, as we're moving on forward through the book of Mark, we land in this really interesting uh, section of scripture in Mark chapter 10, where we're gonna look at it in a very unique way. Maybe you've never, you've probably heard this story before, but maybe you've never read it from this angle. And I, and I hope that it means something to you because we're gonna first see Jesus lay out in intense detail what his purpose is. So let's look at it together in Mark 10, 33. And so Jesus is saying, he's talking, he says, the son of man, he's referring to himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and then they will deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So Jesus says, this is what I came to earth to do. And he lays it out in excruciating detail, right? Leaves nothing to chance. Jesus is saying, this is the future in which I'm about to embark upon. In this journey, I will be spat upon. I will be flogged. I will be mocked. I will die. Then I will raise, rise from the dead. And he's not just like one of these internet psychics where he's saying, you know, um, it's like, uh, I think, you know, you know someone, I think it's the letter M, but it, you know, if I'm not right, it could be the letter W, uh, could, uh, upside down, or maybe it's facing this way and it's a three or, or an E, or maybe it's this way, I don't know, you know, so, but anyway, there's something like, and just pay me some money for that. You know, it's nothing like that. There's, very, there's a lot of specificity here as Jesus lays out exactly what his purpose is. He's gonna walk through some suffering. He's gonna walk through some painful things and he's calling everyone to see it. Now, if you had heard Jesus say this, how would you respond? Would you wanna get into the theology of it? Would you like pause for a moment and go, wow, Jesus, there's a weight to that. There's some, there, that message means something and I wanna find out more about it. I wanna dig deeper into the message. I mean, you already know the end of the story, so to you, it's like, yeah, of course he dies, of course he rose from the dead. But think about what that means for them because there's been so many times as we're walking through Mark where you know, Jesus is saying like, hey, not the, um, it's not, not time yet. You know, like uh, the guy is healed of blindness. He's like, don't tell anybody, it's not, not time yet. And and he's saying that all the time. And now we get to this moment where Jesus is saying, it, it's time for me to tell you everything. At least for the disciples, he lays it all out. He says, this is exactly what's gonna happen. This is my purpose and we're about ready to walk through this. So what would you do? 
Now, there's two disciples, and we're going we're gonna to find out they're a lot like us. Their names are James and John. It's really important that you don't look down on these guys, but you see them as versions of us here. They're the sons of a guy named Zebedee. Zebedee is a da- their dad, obviously, and, they, and, and a guy of uh, potentially uh, quite a, a bit of means. He was in a business relationship with Peter. He's mentioned in the New Testament several times. We don't know a lot about him, but the indication is that he's a man of significant means, and so he's raised up these boys. They're now following Jesus, and they come to Jesus, and they say to him in verse 35, hey, teacher, um, we want you to do for us, whatever we ask of you. Well, now, isn't that interesting, right? Because Jesus has just said, here's what my purpose is. Here's what I'm all about. This is what me, Jesus, I'm all about. You're following me. This is what I'm all about. I'm telling you my purpose. And they're like, okay, well, that's great, Jesus, but it's really, I want to talk about me for a second. Why can't you do something for, for me? We, we do that all the time, don't we? We like Jesus will speak to us in the scriptures and all of a sudden we're thinking, um, yeah, um, I can see that, but God, I, um, what about me for a second? You know, let's talk about me. Any of you guys have like somebody sharing something important about uh, their lives to you and immediately you, you find yourself like traveling down the road of like, oh yeah, but then my story and you're talking about you and then immediately like they start to get look confused because you're not listening to them. You're talking about your own story. Well, this is what's happening. Jesus just said, my purpose, my mission, this is the way it looks like to fulfill it, that I will go to the cross and I will die. I'll be mocked and flogged and then I will rise. And the very next verse they say, teacher, we want. And this is so much about us because we are, we are all about those words. We want, I want, I want, I want, Jesus. I want, I want, we want, do for us whatever we ask. Oh, oh, you're going to be spat on. Well, we want. Oh, you're going to be flogged. Well, we want. You're going to be killed. Oh, we want. You'll rise in three days. Oh, well, we, what we want is for you to do whatever we ask of you. <coughs> they're people pleasers, and they're obsessed with the I want. So Jesus begins to answer them back. He says, okay, well then, in verse 36, well, what do you want me to do for you? It's kind of interesting that Jesus isn't mean. He doesn't like shout them down. I think that Jesus understands that this is the human condition. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And verse 37, they said to him, well, you know, Jesus, if you would just grant one of us, hopefully me, whoever's talking, to sit at your right hand and then the other guy, my lesser brother, to sit at your left, but we want to sit at your right and your left hand at glory. So we have the big picture, Lord, but all I'm saying is, Jesus, we want to be known. We want to be seen. Or we want to be uh, differentiated from the other disciples. We want to have a special place. We want to be seen as authoritative, popular, famous, in a position next to you, Lord, powerful. We want to be seen. We want We want, we want. And again, before you think less of James and John, consider yourself. Do you want to follow Jesus, but without cost to your reputation, to your position? Or when you approach God, is it very much like them? Okay, Jesus, I understand your mission. You went to the cross, but I want, I want, I want. In verse 38, Jesus says to them, You are asking the wrong question. You don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup 
I mean, are you able to suffer the way that I'm gonna suffer? Will you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? The pain that I'm about to face, the suffering that I'm about to walk into, would you do that? Would you face that? Are you ready for that? Or are you just looking for the position and the popularity at the very end of it? Jesus chose purpose, his purpose, God's purpose over his popularity. He chose calling over comfort. Let me say that again. He chose purpose over popularity. He chose calling over comfort. Jesus went to the cross. He faced the suffering. He faced the pain. And as he's standing on the precipice of this, walking into Jerusalem, Jesus is saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out for you in excruciating detail. I'm gonna stay with my purpose. You cannot and will not follow with me in the way that you think. Before we go any further, let me demystify and sort of like disarm this idea of popularity because it's in many books, it's in some Christian books and some, some secular books. This idea of purpose is very powerful because if you know something about human nature, you know that if you're living for a purpose, you tend to have more of a sense of destiny it's a little easier to get up in the morning, right? They say if you have a sense of purpose. So what, what I'm gonna do is uh, talk about it this way. There's a sense of what I call capital P purpose. That's the big purpose of your life. Now, for many of you guys, you've thought about it. You know exactly what you wanna do. You are on a career path. Uh, if I said, what's your purpose? You're gonna say what your major is. You're gonna say you know, what your passion is, and hopefully there's an intersection there. If, if not, there's, there could be a problem, but um, there's a capital P purpose. It's the why, it's the why that I'm here. And some of it's spiritual. Some of it could be like, oh, I wanna, I wanna be a part of like curing cancer. I, I just wanna be, my purpose in life is to be a part of something bigger than myself, to like cure a disease. Maybe my purpose in life is to, you know, be a missionary somewhere, to give and to serve and to like spend my energy and my youth in some foreign land. That's my purpose in life. That's, that's a capital P purpose. And, and that's great. Like, you have to think that way. You should think that way and explore in your mind what, what it is that God wants you to be. But today, I want to ratchet it back and bring us into focus to something which I call lowercase p purpose. And what that purpose is, is it's more of a day-to-day -day serving God in the moment with what he has given to you, what's on your plate and before your face today, right now. Um, for example, you're gonna walk out of this place and you're gonna have a chance to encourage someone. Will you take that opportunity? That's your lowercase p purpose. Maybe you're going to experience somebody lacking hope and if you can be a voice of hope in their life, then that is lowercase p purpose. Meeting a specific need, meeting a felt need with somebody, a lowercase p purpose. That's your purpose in the moment. That's what I'm talking about is obedience in the little things, walking in that same direction toward a larger goal. The thing about lowercase p purpose, which is so key, is that it often reveals and uncovers that large capital P purpose in time. Again, if you sat down with a graph paper and you draw a Venn diagram about purpose and passion and all that and you come to some conclusion, that's one thing, but it's very powerful to suddenly recognize that God is trusting you through the experiences and the faithfulness of the little things in your life that you will walk in power and purpose and he will trust you with way more in a specific direction. And then all of a sudden, if you're faithful in the small things, you will be discovering what that larger purpose is for your life. James and John, they were jumping so far ahead. Right hand, left hand, the glory of God. And Jesus is saying, 
hey, I'm gonna walk into Jerusalem, I'm gonna be mocked. I'm gonna be spat on, like spit, that's a very concrete thing. Have you been spat on before? It's humiliating, that's gonna be my experience. You gonna walk with me through that? Are you gonna drink that cup? Are you gonna be spat on? You guys are talking about right hand, left hand. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm talking donkey and then afterwards pain, right? That's what it's gonna look like for me. And I'm going to be in a garden begging my father to take away the suffering to the point where I will bleed, literally blood, sweat blood, because of the stress, Father, take away the suffering. Jesus says, but not my will, yours be done. He's saying, that's my purpose. You guys have your eye on the, on the big P, but I, I'm looking at obedience to what the Heavenly Father has called me to do. And so purpose is not about necessarily finding out that you're gonna cure cancer, but it's taking those steps every day and being faithful with what is before you. Maybe, and I hope that someday you do cure cancer. But what Jesus is saying is today I know my purpose. When we go into Jerusalem, the ball is gonna be rolling and I will face it. That big thing that I will do, that I was called to do, that I was born to do. And by the way, Jesus is saying all of this with you in mind, with you in mind. And he says this, he says, that I don't go drink this cup unwillingly, but with the joy set before me, I endured the cross and its shame. Here's some thoughts about purpose and about the power of that kind of purpose that Jesus felt in his life and how it affects us. Number one is the power of purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose, when you have it and when you understand it, when you understand it from the Jesus perspective, again, this isn't purpose-driven life. There's a place for that, but this is a different kind of purpose. This is Jesus' purpose. It diminishes distractions. When you have it, you begin to have a laser focused on what is super important in your life. Otherwise, many things become a distraction. For example, what do they think? What does she think? Well, she's doing really well. How come I can't do as well as she is? Why is she graduating? Why is he graduating from college uh, so quickly? Well, I'm like on, I feel like I'm on the 11-year plan. Why is that? I might never finish. My grades aren't that good. She's got much better grades. She doesn't even seem like she tries. Comparing, comparing. It's one of the biggest distractions that we have. He's got a better job than I do. It's pay six figures. Why can't I have a job like that? All my friends are already married. How come I'm not married? Why, why can't I not seem to find that someone I don't even own a home, I'm so far behind. It's comparing, it's comparing, it's distracting, and it reflects a lack of a sense of purpose because purpose diminishes distractions. It, it takes away, it's, it puts the blinders on the peripheral vision and it focuses you straight ahead and straight forward. When I was called into ministry to come here, actually to, to join what God is doing here on the Palouse, uh, one of the first things that happened, man, is I, I had some conversations with friends. Like, those people that I had in the church, they were great. They were like, high five, go do it, Pastor Scott. But there was others, you know, there's another group of my friends that were not, that were not church people. And in particular, like, this one really close friend, and he, he told me straight up, he said, he says, Scott, I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to be honest because I care about you. And he did. 
He said, what you're doing is going to destroy your family. What you're doing is gonna set you back in ways that, I mean, your, your, your child, your wife, they, they will not be provided for in the way that you could have, and you are doing something. I mean, they would, he would went on and on and on about why this was a big, huge mistake. Why would you do that, he said. Why would you do that to your life? And what he didn't understand is what I know now five years later is that it was the best decision that I could have possibly had to walk out in faith and do what God had called me to do. And it minimized the distractions because otherwise if I didn't have a sense of purpose, I would have gone, you know what? Well, you know what? You're right because I just did a cash flow worksheet. And boy, if your calculations are right, I could sure definitely make a lot more money if I just stayed where I'm at. Because the things that were important to him were not the things that were related in any way, shape, or form to my purpose. Purpose diminishes distractions. If your purpose is to get out of debt, you're gonna be that person that'll show up at lunch with a, with a brown paper sack with your food in it. Your friends are gonna go, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Let's go do this. Let's go out to lunch. You guys wanna go to Sangria for lunch? You're like, no, I can't do that. I got a brown bag. What do you got a brown bag for lunch? That's ridiculous. No, I'm trying to save. I'm trying to get out of debt. How can you drive that old jalopy? What's that all about? Why can't you drive a nice car, get a new car? I don't want a new car. I'm trying to get out of debt. That's my purpose. What happens is when you have the sense of purpose in relationship to your finances or in relationships or anything like that, it steals you against distractions. It blinds you from those distractions and they don't mean as much to you. When you have God purpose in your life, it minimizes, it diminishes distractions because that's what I was called to do. The second thing that purpose does, an amazing byproduct of purpose is that it pushes you through pain. It pushes you through pain. Let me just say it this way. This is hard to hear, but I need to say it. Purpose will always be accompanied by pain. It's always painful to move toward your purpose. It just is. The pathway is always painful, always if you're going to pursue something hard and you're going to pursue a purpose, just like Jesus in the garden, just like Moses, just like Mary, just like you, you will always experience pain and suffering. Well, not, I hope that I'm the exception, you say. You're not going to be the exception because living according to your purpose is so hard. There's so much in us that wants to please and wants to satisfy in the now, in the moment, to be entertained, to seek pleasure, to be distracted, to not have to purpose, but to just make it through the next Netflix series. Sorry, I didn't mean to get that personal, but it is, it is a fact that, some, that when you are pursuing your purpose, often it's painful. It means maybe after school, I've got to get that master's degree. Maybe it means I've got to make sacrifices to get out of debt. Maybe it means I've got to become that man or that woman that would be attractive for someone to marry me, and that's going to take some big personal changes in my life. Maybe it's something else completely, but no matter what it is, if it's worthwhile, if it's going to bring you joy in the long run, the chances are it's going to hurt in the short run. It's going to take discipline and discipline comes with pain. I mean, that's just being honest. As a pastor, I want you to hear that, that purpose pushes you through the pain. But when you're living in purpose, the enemy will resist you. People will resist you. And the thing is, it's like the more that I walk with Jesus, the more this really feels true to me. But when I feel that resistance, I kind of, don't, I kind of worry when I don't feel it. 
You know what I mean? Like when I, when I feel like everyone is liking what I'm saying and there isn't any pushback and I'm not ruffling any feathers and I'm not kind of like ticking somebody off here and there, like that, and I'm not intentionally, but it's just because the force of my life is a God force and sometimes, you know, the Bible's a double-edged sword and you're gonna say some things that are gonna ruffle some feathers. I, I, I feel really comfortable in the idea that this could be some, somewhat painful, now, I, I mean, I have a good life. Like, I have a really beautiful wife. I have an awesome kid. I'm in a great church. Um, I love my life. But, but I do feel that if there isn't resistance or friction in it, that I'm probably not doing enough. So I welcome that. I welcome the resistance, and I worry when I don't feel resistance in my life. And every now and then, I suffer for my purpose. It costs me something. It costs me at the bottom line. It costs me in relationship sometimes, but I kind of like it. I kind of like being in the center of what God wants me to do because it costs Jesus so much more and he paid an incredible price. Listen, when you are living according to your purpose and you're pushing through that pain, purpose pushes you through pain. Purpose through pushes you through pain. Critics will not stop you, and they're out there, and they will continue to be out there. Opposition will not deter you. Pain will not slow you down because you were created for this. You were created for a purpose, and either you walk in your purpose or it's for the passion of your own pleasure in the moment. One produces softness and the other produces pain. So number one, purpose. Purpose diminishes distractions. Number two, purpose pushes you through pain. And this is where I want to spend the rest of our time together. Number three, purpose empowers you to please God. This is the most important part of purpose. It empowers you to please God. When Jesus said that I will go gladly to my, to my death, to the grave for you, I will, I will give of everything. I will stay focused on that as much as I want this cup to pass from me. I will drink of the cup. I will suffer and die for you and rise again it was a pleasing act to the Father. And I love this story in Acts chapter five. This is the early church and they're being persecuted and they were brought before the high priest in the council. And in verse 27 of Acts chapter five, it says that and when they had brought them, the, this is the disciples, they set them before the council and the high priest, right? Ever been before like a religious leader, just really, or a famous person, somebody that's, authoritative and he said and the person says you know what we strictly charged you not to teach in that name don't do it we told you so many times don't teach in that name now it's funny about that not funny haha it's funny interesting that this still gets people riled up today I mean, we talked about that before, like, you know, you can say God all you want, or I'm a spiritual person, and, you know, throughout all the God talk, Oprah's going to be happy, you know, talk shows will still take you on board, but the minute that you start getting specific about Jesus, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christ follower, all of a sudden people, like, the red flags go up, and they're like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, you know, you can talk about God, but don't teach in that name, just don't, just don't, don't do it. And here's their answer. So in, going on in verse 28, and yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must please God rather than men. We must please God rather than men. Yes, you're scary. Yes, this is insane. You want to persecute us, but we have got to please whom? God, way before you. What you say, it doesn't even matter to me. But what 
God wants us to do matters the most. We can't please everyone. We just can't. It's impossible. But we can please God. Do you realize how pathetic people-pleasing really sounds? Just how pathetic the life of pleasing people really sounds, you know? Do you like me? Do you? Do you like my hairstyle? Why didn't you comment on it? Posted it on Instagram a while ago. It's been 17 minutes. I don't see any hearts. Come on, do you guys like me? Do you think I look good? Do you? Do you like me? Do you like the car I drive? I drive a hybrid. It's a Camry. It's awesome. Oh, it's so awesome. Sweet. Do you like me? Am I cool? Do you like my picture? I worked really hard on it. I'm kind of in the right position. Selfie thing. I did it. Do you like me? Why didn't you follow me? I followed you on Instagram. You didn't follow me back. Now it's been 18 minutes and you, you still haven't followed me. Do you like me? I didn't see a heart. I didn't see you. Where, where are my likes? No response? Oh, don't you like me? I saw the bubbles. Don't you like me? I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. Can we hang? Are we okay? Are we, are we all right? You and me? Like, are we okay? Do you, like, do you like the way I look? What if I'm a Christian? Okay, that's weird. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just try to kind of kinda be a Christian then. Because I want you to like me. Don't you like me? Don't you? Do you think my jokes are funny? I worked really hard on these jokes. I hope that you like them. I hope that you thought they were funny. But... Don't you like me? See how pathetic that really sounds. But that's the narrative that plays in our minds so much of the time. So many of the, the cycles of our thoughts are caught up in that. And how much of that drives us away from our purpose toward popularity, toward thinking just like James and John did. Well, what if I could sit at the right hand? And what if I could sit at the left hand? Okay. You know, we get up to heaven and be like, Oh, James and John are sitting up there with the Jesus. Well, isn't that nice? Oh, yeah, they must have been really important. They look really good next to Jesus. And then be like up in glory, looking down at, hey, Dad, it's me, James. John over here, see, there's Jesus in the middle, but he's not important. It's really where, uh, where we're at. We're with Jesus. Don't we look good? Don't we seem good? We made it. We made it, Dad. Destiny, the Zebedee family, right? Like, we're, we're representing. Now, that's, that's kind of silly, but honestly, that, that's us. We want to be known. We want to be seen. We want to be felt. We want to be popular. We are living to please people, but it keeps us from pleasing and pursuing the purposes of God. You can't please everyone, can you? Why do we try? Remember that thing earlier that we did? Like, imagine that everyone likes you. You closed your eyes. This is the stupidest waste of imagination ever. It really is. We can't please everybody, but we can please God. We can. Let that get in your soul for a second. Just, I said it, but I really feel like I need to circle back around to it. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. You can. You can please him. 
How, how do we please God? Here's some concrete things. Number one, whenever we live by faith, we please God. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is, you say it, impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you begin with faith. You begin by trusting in what God has to say and walking in obedience in the little things, in faithfulness, in the little P purposes of your life toward God, in obedience to God. This is what I call long obedience in the right direction. It's not about like just picking up one day and going, I just want an awesome wife. She's going to be amazing. She's going to be super smart. She's going to be hot. She's going to be a good mom. She's going to be all these things. She's going to have a master's degree. No, no, no. It's not about that. You guys, that's silly. Silly. Hope you're not thinking that way. But you know what you do is you long obedience in the same direction. You get up every day. You say, I'm going to live according to my purpose. You, You serve Jesus throughout the day. You go to bed. You sleep. You get up the next day. You say, good morning, Jesus. I want to live according to your purpose. And you do it that day too. Long obedience in the same direction. We are far too satisfied with those things that don't bring us any purpose or pleasure. Not true pleasure. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. How do we please God? Whenever we live according to his purpose, we please God. When we are faithful in the small, in the little things, we please God. You cannot please everyone, so why are we so consumed with doing it? Honestly, let me ask you this question. What does their opinion matter to you anyway? If you're called to go tell somebody about Jesus or get to know somebody or share hope or like share a word of encouragement, you know, the chances are pretty high that that person could be a little weirded out by it. But you know what? In that moment, if that's what you're called to do, what does their opinion matter anyway? A word of encouragement is a word of encouragement. And done the right way in the right time with the right person in the right trust relationship, it can be immensely powerful. We won't take risks unless we live according to our purpose, unless we trust God, unless we trust and have faith in him, because sometimes it just looks like, wow, if I do this thing, if I step over this line, then something bad could happen. But you just say, okay, let's do it. Just trust in God. You trust in God. You have faith in him, not in yourself, not in your abilities, not in your skill set. You have faith in him. And that's how you find and discover your purpose. Little P, walking every moment in faith. I have a question for you. Are you that person that is consumed and obsessed with um, the, the opinions of others? And is that getting in the way? Is that getting in the way of you living out your purpose in Christ? If that's you, the question that I want you to answer is, I want to do something about it. I want you to pray for me, Scott. But in order to indicate that, in the first service I said every head bowed, every eye closed, and then I realized that that's actually kind of the wrong idea because that's like, I don't want anybody to see. So in this service, I'm going to kind of do it differently, and I'm going to say this. If that's you and you are living according to the the pleasure of other people, and sometimes that's getting in the way of your God-given purpose, uh, with everybody looking around, can I pray for you? Can you raise your hand right now? Can I just, there's the hands are going up, see? I mean, just have the courage to like do it, you know? Lots of hands going up, most hands going up. That's honesty, you guys. That's confessional. Thank you for that. 
thank you, Jesus, for that moment. I, I just really, like, actually, it's weird because more hands went up second service than they did first. And by the way, if your hand didn't go up, that's okay. I, you know, I'm gonna pray for you anyway. Dear Jesus, I pray, God, that we would have the courage to confront the fact that sometimes in our seeking popularity, in our seeking power and, and authority and position, and we want to be seen and be known, Lord, that that gets in the way of us living out and discovering what our true purpose is. Heavenly Father, envelop us with a sense of God purpose. Lord, just like your son Jesus walked into Jerusalem knowing that the whole thing was going to cave in on him, but that he was created, he was born to die. Eternally, God, he existed before the foundation of the world. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And God, that, that time had to come where the lamb would be slain. And that moment in history, Lord, and Jesus was terrified, but also in a sense of purpose. He wasn't gonna be moved. And Lord, I hope that that's us. I pray that that's us, Lord, that we're not Jesus, but we wanna be like him and we wanna be walking like him in his power, God. And I pray that every person that raised their hand here and even those that didn't would go away from this place, Lord, beginning to take a walk, every step, long obedience in the same direction. It's about purpose over, it's about purpose over popularity. And that's so easy to say. Help us to live it out moment by moment, day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Jesus, you've given us so much. You've poured out so many blessings on our lives. It's an opportunity just to give back to you. We really can't pay you back. This is not about money. This is just about reflecting that there's a purpose that we're built for that's greater than just going out of here and consuming. Help us to be spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers. Thank you, Jesus.